Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Before you're seated, I just want you just to welcome with me Miss Lois Toucher. You, you, most of you know her. You've, I've known her. Oh, gracious. She... The whole group now, if some of you don't know, she's one-third of a group that, that, that we have known for, I want to say, like 37 years. Probably. 1983 was the first time you ever I came here? Might be right. Yeah. Close to it. We've, we've gotten young together. Right. <laughs> she's dear and precious to us, as, as is all three of them. But we're just specially blessed for that she would agree to come and leave the other two at That's home. Right. <laughs> and, and you abandoned them for us. Hallelujah. My husband had strict uh, orders to vacuum while I was gone. <laughs> this is a woman after my own heart. <laughs> I told him I didn't want to come home to a house that wasn't vacuumed. Praise the Lord. You're going to be blessed. She's got something very special from the Holy Ghost for you. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Praise God. Well, just one more time before you're seated, just lift your hands and thank God for the name of Jesus that is above every name. We put our hope in you, God. We put our trust in you. And we've come together tonight because you are alive. You didn't live. You, you live today in our hearts. And we thank you, Lord, for your life at work in every situation that concerns each lady that's here. I thank you for it in the name of Jesus. I call every evil work undone by the power of the name and the blood of Jesus. And I thank you, Father, that everything is coming together. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, you can be seated, praise God. It is a really special time for those of you who maybe don't know us as well. Uh, we've been traveling. We actually will start our 43rd year, year together traveling in April of this year, so that's in a couple months. And um, I've done, we've done a lot of things. I've done women's. I kindled the flame at Rama. I've, I've taught for them. I've taught many other church services while for specific times. But this is the first time that I have actually flown somewhere without my husband, Ray, and Cindy, for those of you who don't know Cindy. Well, like I was, we were talking before the service, they say, we kind of tag preach sometimes in these meetings. I said, I am not used to being the only one talking, you know. <laughs> I am used to Acts 10 where he said, while Peter, where it says, while Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all who heard. Right in the middle of Peter talking, the Holy Ghost said, let's do something else. <laughs> Not that he didn't like what Peter was saying, but he just needed to move and Peter just needed to let him move. Well, I'm kind of used to that. So it's perfectly all right. But I just want you to know it is a new day. Um. I really had not thought about this, and uh, it came to my heart while we were here, uh, this particular thing. But when we were at Kindle the Flame just a couple of years ago, uh, we were praying, and uh, 
Miss Lynette walked down the aisle and I was praying and she put her hands on me and she said, it's time, it's time. And I knew she was talking about something like this. But that was a couple of years ago and there have been things that have happened between now and then. You know, like I said, lots of things we've done throughout the years different. But I knew tonight when I was standing here that this is what she was referring to. It's time. So I know it's not just about me. I know it's about you because you're here. The reason I'm here is because you're here. You know what I mean? Every time I'm at a church and they say, thank you for coming, I always tell them, thank you for staying. Because <clears throat> if you didn't stay, we couldn't come. But um, so praise the Lord. I kind of have... I was telling them I have a little preach and I have a little teach. So we just kind of mix it all up together. Are y'all okay with that? We just want to take what God's word says. And I know that his word will speak to you in a way that will answer even questions you don't know you need answers to. And I'm here now. Um, uh, we've. Some of the things that in this past year that have happened have been first, and this is just part of part of that. But, uh, I mean, you know, we have always paid for our new ministry vehicles, and but we've never bought one out on cash until, well, we had been believing God it would be by the end of 2019. And on December 30th, 2019, we wrote a check to pay for in full our new Shekinah Glory ministry van. <laughs> now, we've done a lot of things. We've actually spent more money on mission trips, much more money than we ever spent on this ministry van. But we just never, for some reason, we never let ourselves just take that big chunk out for that. But there was something. Now, this past year, we went to France. And went back to France, a tremendous uh, uh, time of ministry there. We've been going to France since 1989. We've had some phenomenal opportunities singing um, at the World Cup in Paris, uh, at the venue of the Eiffel Tower and the Cathedral of Notre Dame before it, you know, well, it was still standing and, and in the park there. We've done fashion shows in Paris. We've sung in the... the um, uh, uh, chapel of the Royal Cathedral in Monaco. But it had been a few years in this past year. Another thing, we went back. We got back there, and it was a tremendous, just a, it was a time of greater harvest than we'd ever seen before. We did a uh, Saturday night service for this uh, church. They had an outreach, a unique opportunity. This church that we went to, the reason they asked us to come back was because they were dedicating their new building, and it was part of the celebration. And in France, in, in Europe, uh, in this particular area, uh, it is illegal to um, have churches to have loans from banks to build churches. It's just not allowed. But there, through a series of events, uh, a daughter who was 
uh, a daughter of a banker in town had somehow connected with some people in the church, had come to the church, and, and she went to her dad, and she said, Dad, we need to help them. There was a building in the center of town, and somebody else wanted it who could, you know, probably do more with it. There were other things they were better off with. But she said, Dad, you got to help them get this building. They are a great church, and they're doing great things. And literally, uh, even though legally, I don't know how they did it, but somehow they re, <laughs> you know, uh, configured it so that it could, they could help them to get in this church. And so it was a tremendous opportunity. It happened. All these things just happened. So we'd been praying about it. We knew we were going back. And, and when we were at Winter Bible Seminar in February, somebody runs down the aisle and they're on the phone with a board member from the church in France. And they've just met and they, they've been praying about who to have for their dedication. And they said, Shekinah Glory came in 19... Let's see, I think it was like 93 when we were there last. And we've been in revival ever since, and we just want them back. And so we came, so they, you know, here we are. We came, I think we came here shortly thereafter. And this church really uh, helped financially for us to be able to take care of everything that was necessary to go. Tremendous, uh, just, it was just tremendous the way things happened. But we, we got there, and... Would you like to hear just a little bit of this, and then I'll, I'll tell you this other part? We got there. It's just so good because I'm telling you, you're a part of some things just hooking up. God's working. Uh, I, I, we were talking before the service, lots of stuff uh, that's un, unstable in the world, you know, with the, the Brexit thing happening and, and the, the virus thing happening and, and, you know, what is it? What else? Is there something else going on? Uh, the impeachment thing. <laughs> Uh, you know, just a lot of things that could cause people to just wring their hands and think there's, whoa, there's just so much instability. And yet I thought, thank God I'm meeting together with the people who are the evidence that Jesus Christ not only died, defeated the devil, but he rose from the dead and he is alive and his victory is in this earth today because we are in this earth today. Hallelujah. So, so uh, here we, we, were, we get over there, and we have this, uh, um, I wish I had a picture of it. I, maybe I'll get it for you tomorrow. They had these flyers up all over town. Well, Cindy, myself, and Ray, and it's Shekinah Glory, and they were calling it Rock and Roll Party. Maybe I'll get it for you tomorrow night. I don't know. Tomorrow morning, not tomorrow night. Um, and uh, so it was all up. Cindy walked into a, 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 there was pubs there. Are all? It's a little bit different than here. It's when you go in one part to eat and, well, maybe not. It's not that different. I don't know. But anyway, and there was a big one up in there, and they were all like, hey, aren't you on there? And so on Saturday night, we'd done a Thursday night, Thursday, Friday, Saturday night, it was for the outreach of the community and over 80% of, percent of the people who were there, and it was packed, were people who'd never been to the church before. And they all came, and they were so hungry. People got born again, spirit-filled, healed. I mean, it was just a powerful time. They didn't know 
they probably knew a tenth if, or maybe a 2% of the scripture you know, but they were so hungry to respond to what they did know. I'm telling you, the doors were open. I mean, people were getting healed. And the pastor, now see, they were normally doing things like uh, uh, the Saturday night, they would have different styles of music. That's how they would re France is very culturally it's part of their identity to experience diversity in lots of ways in the arts. And so it kind of draws the people in. But they were just so responsive to the things of God. Hallelujah. And so here we are. Now we are in the home France. And there is a couple sitting like where you are sitting. And they had come. They're French, they're, uh, Swiss, they're in the Swiss-French Alps, and they, were mis they are missionaries, but they came because when their son was in Oklahoma a few years ago, he went to a Shekinah Glory meeting, someone invited him, and he came to the meeting, and the person who invited him was actually one of our volunteers, and she said, when he walked through the back door, he walked in. And he sat, started to sit down, and then he just got up and walked out. And she thought, oh, no, what's wrong? What have I done? And so she goes out, and he's out in the, the, the uh, parking lot just crying. And nobody, no preaching. There wasn't any, no altar call. He had just walked into the church. And she said, what's wrong? And he said, I, and he can't, he, I, I forget how he told her, I just can't go back in there. She said, yes, you can. Well, he comes back in, and I mean, he just, we didn't know, but he turned his life back over to God. He was their son, the two people that were there who were missionaries, and he had been running from God. She got up and she said, I told God I was going to quit talking to him about God, and I was going to start talking to God about him. And literally, he came back to the Lord, and he was serving with them in the ministry today. And so they came, that was in Okmogee, Oklahoma. So they come to our, our, our service in France, and they're on the front row, and they're just so thankful. And then there's another couple, and they are our translators. They were always uh, our favorites. They're very strong ones. When the Hagans came with us to France, they were their translators and uh, helped with that. And uh, they pastored about two hours away. And on Sunday morning, we walked in the front of the church. And here is this pastor, her husband, the, uh, the translator, her daughter, who is also like the associate, her husband, who is new. She got married since we'd seen her. And they're all standing there, and they have this envelope in their hand. And they say, can we talk to you? Hi, we, wanna, we have something for you. And so we walk over and talk with them, and they said, it's been seven years since you've come back. That was the last time we were in Paris doing a, a minister's conference. And they said, every year we believed you would be back. And every year, our church has received an offering. And these are the offerings. And they had this envelope with uh, French um, uh, Euro, uh, euros in it. Um, and they said, every year we believe, not euros. Anyway, they believe you were Swiss. Uh, we, you would, that was it, Swiss. Uh, be back and 
Here is the offering from the past six years. It's pretty powerful. So I'm telling you all that to say God's at work in ways you just, you don't really understand or comprehend. But if you won't give up, you're going to find out about it. And so it's just been a, you know, last year was full. Now at the same time, there was a lot of things, you know, at the same time that the, it's kind of like that story of that little boy, you know, whose dog died. <laughs> you ever heard that story? And his uh, mama was trying to make him feel better. And so he was, you know, she was saying, well, you know, don't cry, Jimmy. Sparky's in dog heaven. You've heard this, haven't you? You haven't? Oh, and so <laughs> I'm used to being interrupted. So, but <laughs> and he said, well, mama, what's Sparky doing in dog heaven? And she said, oh, Jimmy, he's just so happy. He's running through the fields. He's chasing squirrels. And Jimmy looks at his mama, and, and he says, mama, dog heaven must be squirrel hell. <laughs> I'll never forget reading that joke in Reader's Digest because... Every time it's dog heaven for you, it's squirrel hell for the devil. You know what I mean? What makes you glad makes him mad. What makes you jump makes him run. I mean, I'm telling you. So the same time you're like, glory to God, he's like, no, there won't be. And you're saying, yes, there will be. Hallelujah. So glory to God. It's a good day. It's a wonderful day because God's at work and his work cannot be stopped by the adversity of the hour. Um, I want to read you a portion of scripture and we'll just see where we go. There's two things, you know, if one ain't so hot, we'll skip to the other, right? But, but I, I was, uh, in the room today and, um, I couldn't, I couldn't quit reading this, you know, so I wanted to just kind of read it to you and put it together with what the Spirit of God is wanting to say. I heard something. I'm going to, we're going to pray at the end about something uh, that I think is going to help some people recover. Hallelujah. What it, uh, well, we'll wait. I'll say that in a minute. The Word of God says in Romans chapter 10 that the Word is near you in your heart and in your mouth. That's Romans 10 verse 8. Uh, that is the Word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. The word is near you. One translation says your answer is closer than you think it is. It's as close as your heart and your mouth. The answer's close. Everybody say the answer's close. Sometimes we overemphasize the problem and underemphasize the answer. The answer is not far from you. It's close. 
uh, Brother Hagin in Right and Wrong Thinking said, confession is to testify to something you know. Affirm a truth you believe. Witness for a truth you have embraced. Hold fast to your confession. It is necessary there be a continual confession of your deliverance from Satan's kingdom. And that he, uh, that he no longer rules you with condemnation or fear. You are to hold fast to your confession. And then he made this statement. Our confession is Satan's defeat in our everyday living. Our confession is Satan's defeat in our everyday living. Jesus defeated the devil. That is a legal truth. But for it to become a vital truth to you, that takes faith. Brother Hagin once said, I remember him talking about how some people say, well, you know, I've heard the word, but it just doesn't seem real to me. And he would say, well, have you, do you confess it? Have you acted on it? Have you said it? Have you acted on it? And most of the time, in fact, I think he said all the time, there was an answer of no or very little. And so I, I just want you to uh, take a hold of what the Word of God says because there is an answer, and it's closer than you think it is. And in this hour and this day, the world is full of fear, full, full of depression, full of uncertainty, Evil men uh, uh, waxing worse and worse. And, and it's, it's, uh, it's not even the influence of that will, will hinder and, and will, it will greatly, uh, it will cause you to be afraid. And so I, I just want you to hear what God's word says because there is an answer. The word of God is uh, the life-giving power. Uh, the Bible says in Hebrews 4, verse 12, the word of God is alive. It's quick. It's powerful. Uh, I like different uh, paraphrases where it says the word of God is full of living energy. It is alive and full, uh, a living thing. It's an active power. It's full of life and power. God's message is a living, active force. Another one says, one paraphrase says, uh, the word God speaks to us is current. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad God's up to date? You think, well, I just don't know if it works anymore. It always works. Never goes out of style. And I'm telling you, when you get to a place where you are desperate and you feel very, uh, uh, you know, just uh, depressed about a situation, I, I encourage you to find out what God's Word says about it. And then begin to say that yourself. And listen, can I tell you something? You don't have to feel strong to be strong. You don't, I mean, I don't know if you realized it or not, but most of the people uh, who, who did things for God, significant things, they did not start off significant. They became significant because they obeyed and acted on God's word. They didn't start off that way. And neither, you won't feel 
that way either. But if you will act on God's word, I'll never forget, forget being in, actually we were in Riga, Latvia, uh, before Rick Renner went to Moscow, he went to Latvia. And that's how he got into Moscow. And we went uh, over many times, but we were there in the very beginning. I mean, I'll never forget him telling us that at that point, many of the people in his church were really just surviving. I mean, living off potatoes they grew in their backyard uh, because they'd been devastated by war and it looked like so much had been uh, destroyed. He said, I don't have one family in my church that either someone has either been imprisoned or murdered for their faith. And yet here they were, uh, and the, the, the vision was to build the first building to be built in a generation in the capital of Latvia, Riga, was uh, uh, the, the building they were building. And I'll never forget being there. And we were with Denise, and his wife, and Rick, and we were talking. And I made a statement that you'll never become what God wants you to be until you do what God wants you to do. And Denise told me that that was just a, a word to her, that God spoke. It wasn't just something I said. It's something the Holy Ghost said to her. And it caused her to realize that it wasn't enough. It wasn't the only thing, but it, it helped to strengthen her to be able. Because it was, a, it was it, you know, it was just a rough thing that they were stepping into. But yet, it's the truth. And I believe that God's not finished doing some notable things with people who will just become, they will become great because they do what God has called them to do. And God is great. And he's looking for people who believe that nothing is impossible. And I believe I'm talking to some of them right now. The word of God makes things come alive. John the Baptist took a word from Isaiah chapter 40, and he began to stir people up with a word that came from God where he says, every valley will be filled, every mountain brought low, crooked places made straight, and all flesh shall see the glory of the Lord for, uh, together. Literally, he took a word that was written hundreds of years before, and it became a word from God that but that caused his life to come alive with the will of God. Hallelujah. I mean, John, you say, well, John the Baptist, you know, he was just born that way. No, no, he had in him what God, what was necessary to do the word of God, uh, to the will of God, but he had to take the word of God and let it become a, a living force in his life. I mean alive in him. It means, uh, you know, it, it changes what I say. It changes what I do. It changes where I go. Listen to me. The only reason I'm here today is because of the living word of God. I am not anybody special. I am nobody of any, you know, uh, uh, I don't have any extra help. I mean, you know, I didn't have, you know, anything I could depend on in the natural. I mean, it's a, a work of the spirit of the living God and the power of the word of God to make you what you need to be. And I'm telling you, the world is looking for people who know God. They are crying for people. I don't believe, do not believe that people are not interested in God. They are interested. They are made for God's glory. They just need somebody 
What does he say in Romans 10? How can they call on him of whom they have not believed? How can they call on him of whom they have not believed? You say, well, they just don't believe. Well, the reason they don't, they haven't called on him is because they don't believe. And then he says, and how can they believe on him of whom they have not heard? So the only reason they're not believing is because they have not heard. And then he says, and how can they hear unless there is a preacher? Now, he's not talking about, you know, pulpit. He's talking about somebody who knows the gospel and tells it. And then he says, and how will they preach it if they're not sent? Now, you know what that means? You believe what God says about you. You're not here by accident. You're here on a divine appointment. Because, see, if you believe you're sent, then that means you're going to tell somebody. You're going to preach it. And if you preach it, I'm just backing it up, that means somebody will hear it. And if they hear it, that means they can believe. And if they believe, they can call. And the Word of God says, if you back it up, this is all Romans 10, that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Isn't that, the, isn't that just such a simple truth? So what does it take? It takes somebody who believes that God is at work in them and that he is greater than their sin and that grace has given them a, 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 a foundation of faith that they can stand in this place that God has made for them and they will not shut up. If you won't be quiet, somebody will hear. And if they hear, they'll believe. And if they believe, they'll call. And if they call, they'll be saved. Hallelujah. Oh, for the word of God is alive. It makes things come alive. Uh, Jay Hudson Taylor said, we are a supernatural people, born again by a supernatural birth. We wage a supernatural fight and are taught by a supernatural teacher. We are led by a supernatural ca uh, captain to assured victory. Hallelujah. First uh, Peter 1 23 says it like this. We are born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed by the word of God, which lives and abides forever. You have been born again, not uh, to a life that will quickly end. The new uh, living translation says your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word. Word of God, not a seed that perishes, but one that cannot perish, the international says. You know, seeds are so important that I actually I read this several years ago that in 2008 they established what was called a global seed vault in Norway. In case of some kind of a, a you know, a, a, a worldwide uh, disaster, they could preserve over 2 billion varieties of seeds. 
that were essential uh, to, to life. Uh, but you know what? The Word of God says that there is a seed that God has planted in you. It's a seed of His living Word of God, and it is guaranteed to bring life to you, to cause things to live in you. And I'm telling you, no matter how the Bible says, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life in John chapter 5. He who believes in me though he were dead yet he shall live the life giving power of the word of God that's what I want you to get born again not of corruptible but of incorruptible seed so that we do not despair we we uh, we are able to see beyond the problem and believe in the power of God's word first John 5 4 I'm just reading you this all right you know, the Bible says to stir up the gift of God that's in you. You know, one translation says, fan the flame. You know, keep the fire burning. Well, how many of you know how you keep a fire burning? You got to add a little more wood, right? You got to you gotta, you gotta move some things around. You got you to, gotta, whatever it was that caused the fire to start burning, you got to put some more of that on it. Do you get my point? And so the same word that got you say, I'm just not, I just, I'm just kind of, you know, it's good, but I just, you know, I'm not really, I'm not really that on fire anymore. Well, what, what is it that got you on fire? Just kind of put that back on the, you know, just put it back in there and just kind of let that start burning again because it's still alive. It's still full of power. If you'll just add a little more of that back in, I'm telling you, the flame will start burning again because you've got that seed in you. The word of God, whatever is born of God over, 1 John 5, 4 says, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Whatever. You like those whatever scriptures? Oh, you know, just whosoever shall say to this mountain, shall have whatsoever he saith. Well, whatsoever is born of God, and you're born of God if the seed of God is in you. And he said, whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. This is the victory. Every child of God, the New Living Translation says, defeats this evil world. Every child of God. Every child of God. Listen, even on your worst day, you are more than a match for the enemy's plan against you. Even on your worst day, I'm here to tell you that the, every, the Bible says this is the victory that overcomes the world. Every child of God defeats this evil world. Anyone who can win this battle against the world, those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God, there is victory to overcome what's in this world, the evil that runs rampant in this world. But there is a victory over this world. 
that's not just some, you know, new deal. This is absolute concrete stuff. This is the victory. All that receive new life from God conquer the world. Good News Bible says every child of God is able to defeat the world. We win the victory over the world by means of our faith. You say, what is faith? Faith is just acting on what God says. So if God says there is victory over this world, then whatever it is, it's messing with you in this world. When you face it, face it with a little bit of this stuff and just say, thank you, Lord. I don't know what the answer is, but I believe what your word says about this. So I just say I have victory over whatever this is. Now, listen, you don't have to feel like saying it. It doesn't have to look like it's working because I'm here to tell you the word of God is working. Word of God is working. It's like those four lepers, if you read in 2 Kings 6 where it says, you know, it's one of my favorite stories, and those four lepers, and the Bible says that, you know, that was where they said, uh, Elisha said, this time they were in the middle of a famine, and he said, uh, this time tomorrow there will be plenty for all to eat. Y'all remember that story? And so the Bible says that uh, in 2 Kings, I'll, I'll just read it to you. You don't mind, do you? He said in, in, in 2 Kings chapter 7, he said, Hear the word of the Lord tomorrow about this time. A portion of flour, a flour will be sold for a shekel and two uh, portions of barley for a shekel at the gates of Samaria. In other words, what he was saying is today everybody's starving, but tomorrow it's all going to be different. And the Bible says that an officer who was leaning on the king's hand answered the man of God and said, if the Lord could make windows in heaven, could this thing be? And in fact, one, uh, I think it's the message Bible says, you expect me to believe that? And the Bible says that, the, uh, that Elijah uh, said to him, uh, in fact, you will see it with your eyes, but you will not eat of it. Well, it wasn't because, you know, God just didn't like the guy or whatever, you know, and there was just like God was saying, you're not going to get it, and I have people I just don't want to have it because Elijah had already said tomorrow everybody will have plenty. Elisha, excuse me, and uh, everybody will have plenty. But this man said, I don't believe it. Well, it wasn't because God didn't want him to be a part of it. He just chose not to have it. And the Bible says, but this is the part I like. This is just all extra. You don't have to know extra. And the Bible says that uh, now there were four lepers at the entrance of the gate, verse 3 of 2 Kings 7, and they said to one another, why are we sitting here until we die? Okay, now it's switched from the prophet, the officer, in the king's, you know, leaning on the king's hand, uh, whatever, however he said he was doing, uh, the, he was, and he says, all of a sudden it switched to four lepers outside the city gate. Now, this is like going from, you know, the movers and the shakers to the people who, you know, you just really doesn't matter what they decide to do, which seemed like. Because, see, everybody's starving, and here the four lepers are outside the city gate. If everybody inside the city's starving, they are about to go because they don't get it except for what's left over after everybody's gotten what they want. And the Bible says they said, now listen, they said, why should we, why are we sitting here until we die? That's what they were doing. 
If we enter the city, famine's in the city. If we die, we'll sit here. We die there. So come let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we'll live. If they kill us, we will only die. It's like they said, there's some things worse than dying. You know, and it's like, you know, why, why are we sitting here till we die? I mean, let's do something lest we do nothing. And literally, four lepers, and this is always this is one of my favorite stories. It says, and they arose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. What's it say? They arose when? To go to the camp of the Syrians. You know, every church doesn't follow you when you're reading the Bible. It's a good sign. It's the truth. They don't. Um, and they arose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. And when they come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of the chariots, the noise of horses, the noise of a great army. And so they said to one another, look, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites, the kings of the Egyptians to attack us. Therefore, verse 7, they arose and fled at twilight. What happened at twilight? Four lepers said, you know what? We are not, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I am not going to sit here anymore. I'm getting up. Let's go and let's start. I mean, I'm sure they had to help each other get up. <laughs> Come on, Bubba. Oh, pick up your, give me a hand. I need a hand. Oh, no. <laughs> but here they are. Now, what's amazing is they are the weakest they are the least, it would seem, if anybody, what they did would make a difference for everybody to be supplied, you would be, you would say, those are not the people who can make it happen. And yet, the Bible says they were surprised when they got to the camp of the Syrians. It was the enemy's camp that heard the sound of the army, it said, of an army so great, uh, the noise of chariots and horses, the noise of a great army, that they got up the most evil, wicked army of that day, got up and left everything in the camp, everything that was necessary for them to give all that was necessary to change the situation for the people of God. They left it all there. And when the four lepers got there, they didn't hear that sound when they got up. They just felt, probably felt like, oh, I'm tired. I'm sick. I feel I'm about ready to die. But I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to stop. And they didn't stop. And they didn't feel strong. They didn't hear a strong sound. But their enemy heard it. Sorry, I'll try not to yell. I said their enemy heard it. Now, what are, you, what are you trying to tell me? You might not feel strong. You might not feel like it makes any difference that you're doing what you're doing when you say, glory to God. I have faith that gives me a victory over this situation. I believe you, God. I have the victory in Jesus' name. You might not hear anything different. You might not feel anything different, but I'll guarantee you the enemy of your soul, the, the adversary who is, has planned a strategic devastation for you. Here's a sound that causes him to know you are redeemed. There is 
a greater one who fights for you. He is at work in you. He hears that sound. Hallelujah. He hears it. The Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. That means stand up to him. Stand against him. I'm telling you, if you don't, he doesn't care. He's a liar. He'll tell it over and over again as long as you'll listen. But you can shut him up with the truth. Hallelujah. I want to move over here real quick to Ezekiel. This is really where I wanted to get tonight. Are y'all okay? What time is it? Oh, we're good. Okay. Ezekiel. You're coming back tomorrow because there's more door prizes anyway, right? <laughs> Ezekiel. Actually, his name means God strengthens. Isn't that good? Ezekiel was a prophet during the time when really the people had gone, people of God had gone into captivity. Uh, the I think it's the Message Bible's uh, introduction is really good. I want to read you part of it because it was a time when catastrophe had stricken, and um, this this uh, introduction says. When catastrophe strikes, a person's world falls apart. People respond variously, but two of the more common responses are denial and despair. Denial refuses to acknowledge the catastrophe. It shuts its eyes tight or looks the other way. It manages to act as if everything's going just fine. It takes refuge in distractions, lies, and fantasies. Despair is paralyzed by the catastrophe and accepts it as the end of the world. It is unwilling to do anything, including uh, that life. It is unwilling to do anything, including that life for all intents and purposes is over. Despair listlessly closes its eyes to a world in which all the color has drained out, a world that has gone dead. Among biblical writers, Ezekiel is our master at detail, dealing with catastrophe, the invasion of Israel by Babylon. Ezekiel saw what the people either couldn't or wouldn't see. Ezekiel had a vision from God, and it was in the middle of a catastrophe. And because of his vision, they were able to emerge from the catastrophe, robust and whole. In Ezekiel 36, when he's talking, now there's a lot of things that happen is in Ezekiel uh, uh, that, that he talks about the ruins being rebuilt, cities being re-inhabited in, in Exodus 36. Um, and then he gets down, I like how he says it in verse 36, verse 26, I will give you a new heart. And I put a new spirit in you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. It's really what um, a lot of Bible commentaries call the 2 Corinthians 5.17 of the New Testament. I mean, Old Testament, I'm sorry, of the Old Testament. I will take out of you a stony heart and put into you a heart of flesh. Uh, it, you know, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, if anyone is in Jesus Christ, in Christ, they are a new person on the inside. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. All things are become new. Changed my life when I heard that scripture 
And I realized that there was a difference between who I thought I was and who God said I was. And I just started agreeing with God. That's all I did. I just started agreeing with God. I decided to quit agreeing with some people, and some of them were related to me. <laughs> Hallelujah. But you know what? I found people who agreed with God, and I began to walk with them, and it began to change where I walked. And that's what will happen with you, too. It's not hard to live for God. It's just daily. Just daily. Just tomorrow, get up and decide. Instead of agreeing with whatever, whoever has said about you, if they don't agree with God, you know, you don't get what they say. You get what you say. So, you know, I mean, just they can talk and you don't have to agree with them. And I'm here to tell you that if you begin to agree with God and begin to let God's word begin to direct your path, he says he will straighten out the crooked places. Thank you, Jesus. I'll remove the stony heart from your body, Ezekiel 36, 26 says. And I like this is the, the I, don't, I think it's the message. I'll remove the stone heart from your body and replace it with a heart that's God-willed, not self-willed. Isn't that good? You know, the, the um, idea today is really more about self-love, you know, self-care. And, you know, and the, the issue is, listen... When you deny yourself, take up your cross and follow Jesus, that is not where you lose your life. That's where you find it. Because, see, the one who made you is the one who is now causing your life to begin to develop. How can you find yourself when you didn't make yourself. But I'm telling you, the world is, is really, that's, a, that's like a hot topic today. And all you have to do is just be the one who tells somebody. Jesus said, if you give him your life, take, come to Jesus, and he will make you a new person on the inside. They might laugh at you on the outside, but they're reaching on the inside. And so he says, uh, Ezekiel shows us, I like this, uh, I don't know where I read it, but Ezekiel shows you how you can lose a battle but not lose the war. <laughs> oh, anybody ever lost a battle? Margaret Thatcher said, you may have to fight the battle more than one time to win. <laughs> I liked her. She was a leader, but she was a leader who believed God's word gave her and made her strong. At her funeral, she had her granddaughter read Ephesians. What is it? Ephesians, you know, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the onslaught of the devil. Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. 
Oh, praise the Lord. So here is, now we get to this part here. So here is Ezekiel, and he is, he has this vision in Exod, uh, Ezekiel chapter 37. And in Ezekiel chapter 37, he says this, and this is what I want to read you, to you tonight. It says in the NIV, the hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley, and it was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. Literally, they'd been there, one Bible uh, his teacher was saying, at least 10 years. They'd been there a long time. And the Bible says, he asked me, verse 3, son of man, can these bones live? I love this story. And he said, oh, Lord, you alone know. And verse 4, he said, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will live. I will attach tendons to you, make flesh come upon you, cover you with skin. I will put breath in you. You will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. So here he is standing in the middle of a valley of dry bones. I mean, it looks like it's a place where it's been that way so long long it could not possibly be any different and I don't know if you realize it or not but without God we were without hope in this world our sin had caused us to be separated from God we were dead in trespasses and sin but the Bible says here in Ezekiel 37, he says, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. And the Bible says when he said, hear the word of the Lord, he was in the middle of a valley of dry bones. He must have been a faith preacher. <laughs> he was preaching and the crowd was not responding. <laughs> God sees things the way they can be, and we see things the way they are. And if you're with people that only see you the way you are and cannot see you with God's word working in you, if all they do is remind you and talk to you about who you are without God, you're in the wrong crowd. The enemy works through disorder and chaos and he wants to break you apart and cause you to feel dry and without life. But I'm here to tell you, hear the word of the Lord. I don't know what you've done. I don't know what they tell you you've done. But this is all that is necessary to change a dead, dry condition into a place where things have Life, they live again. You dream again. You love again. You hope again. You're happy again. You can be happy again. Ezekiel, great restoration out of, out of a 
total, utter devastation. Uh, here we see in Ezekiel verse 7, so I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound, a noise, suddenly a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I like the message Bible. There was a sound, a rustling. Bones moved and came together, bone to bone. Dead, dry bones began to move when they called to hear the word of the Lord. And I'm here to tell you, things are coming together. Devastation no longer rules. Jesus has got victory over all the power of the enemy, and you can live again. In fact, he said it like this. He said, uh, I, I, he, he said, I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them. Skin covered them, NIV, but there was no breath in them. So here he is. He said to him, Ezekiel 37, verse 9. So the Lord said to him, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the Lord says. Come breathe from the four winds. Breathe into these slain so that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. And when they, they came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Woo! I like to say they, the breath came to them when he says prophesy unto them that they may live. I was reading uh, some different things on this and it says that this word for breath here is, or, or live, I'm sorry, is the same word that's used in Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 5 when it says the just shall live by faith. The just shall live, to live, to stay alive, to be preserved, to flourish. This is what the strong says. To live in happiness, to breathe, to be animated, recover health. I said recover health. Live continuously. The fundamental idea is to live and breathe. In other words, you come alive, you're happy again, you're restored again, you, 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 you could say you got your second wind, uh, you got, you know, uh, you, you could breathe again. Uh, and then he goes on and he says, uh, uh, son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. Listen to this part, verse 11. Our bones, and this is what they say, our bones are dried up, our hope is gone, we have been cut off. The New Living Translation said, we've become old dry bones. All hope is gone. So verse 12, he says, therefore prophesy to them and say to them, this is what the Lord says, my people. I am going to open up your graves, bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. You, my people, will know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and bring you up from them, I will put my spirit in you and you will live. And I will settle you in your own land, and you will know the Lord has spoken, and I have done it. They had lost their land. They had lost everything. But God said, you're going to live again. You're going to breathe again. You're going to have a home again. It's all coming back again. The just shall live by faith. Hallelujah. He said.
said this is not just about a, a, a good service. This is about entering into a, a good time, a good day, a new day with the things of God. Living again, breathing again, changing the scenery of your life. Hallelujah. I said it's time to breathe again. It's time when you, I, I was looking up some things on this. I caught my attention when he said, uh, uh, prophesied to them to breathe again. And I thought, well, that's like get their second wind. Come on, get your second wind. So I looked up the definition of second wind. And it literally is when an athlete is out of breath and tired and suddenly finds the strength to press on at top performance. Top performance. We're not just dragging our way in. We are totally revived, restored, breathe again, dream again, love again. Literally, it's a phenomenon. Some scientists believe the second wind is a result of the body finding the balance between the oxygen to counteract the buildup of lactic acid in the muscles. In other words, it finds what's necessary to be able to all of a sudden pull strength where you thought there was no strength, but it's there. You are born again, not of perishable seed, but of the incorruptible seed of the living word of God. Second wind means renewed energy or strength to continue an undertaking. It usually comes when you are tired or tapped out. Uh, if you had never been there, I have. But I got my second wind. To get one second wind, to regain one strength, to recuperate, usually before returning to a difficult task or struggle. It's not necessary to have reached the point of exhaustion before getting a second wind. You could just be tired, discouraged, or stuck, as in a writer's block. This is not a false reinvigoration. It is more likely a return or an arrival at a state of flow in which the tiredness truly evaporates. Wow. Most assuredly, Jesus said in John 5, verse 24, whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life, live again. For verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of God and they that hear shall live. Prophesy to those bones. It's not too late. It looks too late. Everybody tells me it's too late. What does God tell you? How about agreeing with him? It's not too late. I've seen marriages come back together. I've seen, I've seen people who were abused totally free. Don't let the world give you the answer for a sin and a, a desperate situations that they don't have the answer for. Do you understand what I'm saying? Put your grounding in the word of God because you can live again. 
Ephesians 1.19 declares that when God raised Jesus from the dead, he used the very same power, the very same power that he used when he raised Jesus from the dead is the very same power that is at work in us. It's resurrection power. It's living again power. You're never too dead for a resurrection. What is the Ephesians 1, 19? Just put a little of this in your, you know, in your morning, you know, supplements, you know, the things you take to keep you going. I have all over our house, I have little Bible scripture things, you know, it, all, just all over the place. Because I don't want to just, I don't want the, I don't want to just talk the word. I want the word to talk to me. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, when I'm thinking about a situation, I, then the word talks to me. You know, the Bible says, write them on your, your doorposts and stuff. You know, that they, they will speak. The vision will speak. And then you hear what God says about it, and then you get to choose. Well, am I going to believe what God says about it? Or am I going to believe what is exactly the opposite of that? You get to choose. Do you know that I read this recently, that every day people make approximately 35,000 choices? Did you read that? 35, it was in one of those, I don't know, one of those little Bible things that comes up, pops up. 35,000 choices a day, approximately. Probably some women make more than me. Because, <laughs> you know, they don't choose. We just <laughs> choose for them. No. Um, my husband, anyway. Anyway, he doesn't care. He just... He doesn't, he's, what do you want me to do? And he does it. So praise the Lord. We're happily married. But <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. Hope he doesn't hear this tape. Anyway, 35,000 choices a day. Now, I know that your life is not a result of what anybody else does. It's a result of what you do. And so if 35,000 choices are, you know, wipe my nose, whatever, comb my hair, you know, who knows? I mean, you know what I'm saying. Some of them are maybe not that big a deal, but those little things that you decide to do every day, they might just, you know, change your day. But when all those days come to weeks, months, years, they begin to change your life. And those choices, those decisions Daily decisions change your destiny. So, I mean, you know, this is just like, uh, I just believe I'm just going to start letting what, when I hear what God says, because I guarantee you, it's not about how much word you know. It's how much you act on. And really, if you act on the word you know, it's like, the light, the Bible says, walk in the light, Ephesians 6, that you have, and, more, and you'll have more light. And so really, if you think, I, I, you know, God's not telling me anything, he's probably told you something you haven't done, you haven't acted on. And if you'll act on that, he'll tell you something else. It's just that simple. It's not hard. It's not hard. I don't, life might be hard. It's full of devastating situations. But I'm here to tell you, Jesus said, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. 
Walk with me. I'm telling you, you can walk through the storm. You don't have to live there. I'm not telling you every day in life is just always, you know, a, you know nothing bad ever happens. Jesus said, in the world, you will have trouble. You will have it. But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Well, what happens when you're in the tr middle of trouble? You just might have to just walk through it saying, thank you, Lord, you have overcome this. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. It's just that simple. And so the Bible says that the same power, the ex Ephesians 1.19, the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, the same power that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead is the very same power that is at work in us, toward us, who believe. You can live again. It's an overwhelming, great power. The Good News Bible says it like this. How very great is his power at work in us who believe. This power working in us is the same as the mighty strength which he used when he raised Christ from the dead. Oh, oh, glory to God. And you, he goes on to say in verse 1 of Ephesians 2, you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin. You who were dead, he has made alive. By grace are you saved, he says in verse 4, through faith. But God, who is rich in his mercy because of his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead, he made us alive together with Christ. He raised us up together. He made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. He made you alive. Prophesy to those dry places. Prophesy to those places that have fallen apart. Prophesy to those places where catastrophe has tried to mark your life and set your boundary. Prophesy to them and say, I'm alive with the very same life that raised Christ from the dead. I'm alive with the very same power that raised Christ from the dead. I believe that if you'll step in and begin to say what God God says about uh, there's some things. What is that word? What was that, Lord? Life has dealt you a, 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 a catastrophic blow. Life has dealt you a catastrophic blow. I heard him say, I want you to tell them they can live again. I want you to tell them. They can live again. Life has dealt you a catastrophic blow. Oh, you thought this is it. It'll always be a dead place in my life. I'm here to tell you God will cause you to live again. 
resurrection power is greater than the damage and the result of sin and sorrow and shame. I want everybody to stand up with me for just a minute. And I want us to say this together because it's not too late. I want you to just lift your hands and I want you to just release your faith in what God says. And I want you to say for me, devil, you're a liar. You cannot have my life. It's not too late for me. You made a mistake trying to make me think it was over. You might have knocked me down. I might have lost a battle. I might have given up hope. But what you may not know is that Jesus Christ is my Lord. He is my resurrection. He is my life. Come together, help. Come together, joy. Come together, peace. Come together, finances. In the name of Jesus, come together. Jesus, everything is coming together. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.